With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On February 9th of 2004, 21-year-old UMass student Maura Murray drove from her dorm in Amherst, Massachusetts to the White Mountains of New Hampshire. At approximately 7.27 p.m., Maura spun out her 1996 Saturn on a hairpin turn on Route 112 in North Haverhill. There has never been a credible sighting of Maura since. Maura is 5 foot 7 inches tall. She weighs 120 pounds, and she has brown hair and hazel eyes. If you have any information regarding Maura's disappearance, please submit it to us, the Murray family through their Facebook page, or the New Hampshire State Police Cold Case Unit. This is Missing Maura Murray. Welcome back to the Missing Maura Murray podcast. I'm Tim, here today alone in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. But don't worry, Lance joins us in this interview. This interview is with Ladessa. Ladessa and Brandon Lawson were together at the time of his disappearance, and she's got a lot of great information to share. As some of you may know, we have covered Brandon's case on Crawl Space a little bit. We spoke with Jason Watts, we spoke with Brandon's brother Kyle Lawson, and we recently did a panel at CrimeCon with Jason Watts and some others, but we did talk about Brandon's disappearance. So that content is available on Crawl Space, so subscribe to Crawl Space in the show notes. But before we get to the interview with Ladessa, I just want to touch on some housekeeping notes. 
If you want to hear our entire archive of Missing Maura Murray, it is available at Stitcher Premium. Check it out, stitcherpremium.com. We also do creator commentaries for this show. So the first 80 episodes of Missing Maura Murray will eventually be recorded over um, with me and Lance talking about new updates in the case and really just kind of reminiscing and telling the behind-the-scenes story of this show and those episodes. And we definitely make fun of each other and ourselves, too. So people are really enjoying the creator's commentary. There are 60 episodes that are out there now, so check that out, stitcherpremium.com. Also, Crawlspace's entire archive is available there, so you get that, too. We are launching new shows at Crawlspace Media. You may have noticed a feed drop for a trailer called Incel. That is a new show coming from Crawlspace Media and our friend Nama Cates. And if you're a little confused on what the show Incel is, I spoke with Nama Cates at length last week in the Crawlspace Studios, and that chat is airing on Patreon right now. So check that out at patreon.com slash crawlspacepodcast. We have video over there with uh, me talking to Nama Cates about the intentions of Incel. Here is a quick clip. Your project is, is it more about recruitment uh, for this community, or is it more about like an attempt to understand this community? It's definitely an attempt to understand it. Okay, it's about people too. Okay, and uh, you've mentioned the some of the mass media articles and and uh, videos that have been produced on this kind of show it as a scary community. And why is that? Um, because there have been uh, crimes uh, like spree killings going back to 2014 that were committed by self-identified incels. The first one being uh, the Isla Vista shooting in 2014 that was on the college campus and then followed each year. There's been like at least one that was associated with it. Each year? Each year, at least one. Mm -hmm. Wow. Confirmed. Wow, okay. So I guess another part of your show and, and this experience, this sort of social experiment too maybe, um, is... Asking the question, does this group lead to violence? Yeah. That's... How are you feeling about that at this point? Okay, so that is a little bit more on the show Incel. So subscribe to that now. There are links in the show notes. Now, I previously mentioned one of our other podcasts, Crawl Space. This week on Crawl Space, we spoke with Sarah Turney from the True Crime Podcast Festival in Chicago. And of course, Sarah Turney's sister, Alyssa, went missing in 2001 from Phoenix. Sarah believes her father is guilty in this case. We talk a little bit about him and a little bit about Sarah's new podcast, Voices for Justice. Just want to play a quick clip of that here now. You believe that uh, your father, Michael, committed other crimes during during those years? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we know that he covered up an attempted murder. This is known. The police have stated this. Um, in addition to a lot of other women have come forward about sexual abuse against him, you know, sexual assault, um, just really creepy things that he did. So I fully believe that he's doing a, a ton of criminal acts. I mean, I, I'm sure he has a gun right now. I, I can't imagine a world in which my father would live without a gun. And he's a felon, so he shouldn't have one. What is next on the podcast? You did an episode where you spoke to your, your father yeah, and uh, aired that. Um, what is coming up next? This case goes back so far, and I want to go into so much detail that people understand it from start to finish as much in chronological order as I can but you know I preface in my first episode that it may not be in chronological order and that's because what I find is the more that I publish the more comfortable people feel coming forward especially yeah. now that it's me doing the interviews 
Sarah's a total badass, and it is Alyssa Turney Week. So if you want to participate in Alyssa Turney Week, call 602-506-3411. That is the Maricopa County Attorney's Office, and you'd be calling on Alyssa's behalf. Be polite when you call, but just ask them where is the prosecution in this case and when are they moving forward with that. And if you want more from Sarah Turney, check out Crawl Space Media's other show, True Crime Twins from Chloe Cantor and Melina Cantor, and they speak with Sarah at length, longer than I did on the Crawl Space episode, so you want to check that out. Links in the show notes for that as well. Okay, thanks for hanging with me with the housekeeping. Now, on to Brandon's case. And before we get too deep into it, I want to mention and give a shout out to a new friend of the show. His name is Chase Winovich. He was the third round pick of the New England Patriots in 2019. So he is uh, joining the hometown team. So welcome, Chase. And thank you very much for listening and being interested in this show and the case of Brandon Lawson. He specifically messaged me about Brandon Lawson's case and how he can help. So this is a good start. I want to let the Lawson family know that Chase Winovich of the New England Patriots is here to help any way he can. So thank you very much, Chase, and we look forward to watching you on the field this year. Okay, so before we get to the interview with Ladessa, I just want to refresh everyone's memory on the case of Brandon Lawson, and maybe you haven't heard much on the case, so this might be a good refresher. So Brandon Lawson went missing August 9th, 2013 from Bront, Texas. He's white, he's male, he was 26 at the time of his disappearance, he's 5'9", weighs about 230 pounds, brown hair, blue eyes, stocky build, multiple tattoos, and was wearing a yellow shirt with camo shorts and white 2013 Air Max brand shoes. His car ran out of gas on Highway 277 near Bront, Texas, and that is where his car was left, and there has been no sign of Brandon since then. There was, however, a 911 call that he made that I want to play right now. 911 call. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? So that's the 911 call. You can see why this case is so mysterious just from people hearing that. It kind of grabs people's imagination. And so we spoke with Kyle a few months ago on Crawl Space, and I want to play a clip from that now. But if you want to hear the entire interview with Kyle, it is available on Crawl Space. Check it out. Links in the show notes. It's also available on YouTube. So check out the full interview with Kyle Lawson there. But here is a few minutes of Kyle when we spoke to him on Crawl Space. And keep in mind, he is reading here. He wrote a statement that he wanted to read at the beginning of our interview. We got a lot of questions on the YouTube page uh, on Crawl Space saying, it sounds like he's reading. Well, just to let you know, that is not part of the mystery of this case. He was reading. He told us that. He wrote a statement just so he could stay on track. We questioned him afterwards. So Kyle is reading this statement to us on Crawl Space. It all started like two days before my brother came up missing. I was on my way to work, and Brendan, my brother, called me, and he was wanting to know if I could get some dope for him because he's twitched jobs, and he had already taken his drug test, so he wanted to get high. He had not smoked in 
at least six months. And I told him, no, you don't need to do that, bro. You've been clean for a long time. He told me, I know, bro. I'm just going to do a little bit. I told him, okay. They went and got high. Then I didn't hear from him until I was on my way home. I called him and asked where he was, if he was still going to come by when I got home. And he said, yes, after I got home, I never heard from him. So the next morning, I tried calling him and can't get a hold of him. So I called some friends back home in Fort Worth and to see if he had come there. And I found him. He was at one of our friends' house. He got on the phone and spoke to me, and he said he was going to be heading home soon. And I was about to eat dinner when my mother called me and asked if I would please go over to their house and calm my brother down because he was flipping out. When I arrived at their house, my brother Brennan was already gone. So I asked Ladessa what was going on, and she said he was tripping and flipping out. On my way there, my brother calls me, says that Ladessa had some masons from the neighborhood chasing him out of town. He told me that the state trooper had pulled one of them over, but there were still two chasing him. He hung up on me, then calls me back and tells me that he is about to run out of gas. He needed me to bring him some gas, so I told him, okay, that I had to go back by his house to pick up a gas can and come straight to him. So I went to his house, I got the gas can, and I headed that way. Well, Brennan kept calling me, and he would say a few words and hang up. The first time he asked where I was and to hurry up, I told him that I was on the way as fast as I could. Then he calls back, and Audrey answered. And he said, where are y'all? I'm bleeding, Audrey. And Audrey, hurry up and get here. And he hung up. Then he calls me again and says, where are you at? I said, I'm pulling up right now. He hung up again. So when I pulled up to his truck, I make a U-turn and park on the opposite side of the road. I get out, walk over to his truck, and he calls. I ask him, where are you, bro? He said, I'm right here where I said at that time... There was a vehicle approaching, and he says to me, one time, run. I told him, I'm not going to run. I've done nothing wrong. And he said, where is your pride, motherfucker, and hung up on me. At this time, the officer was walking up from behind the truck, and he says, is this your truck? I told him, no, it's my brother's truck that he had ran out of gas, and he was walking down the road. He keeps losing signals, so I asked if he mind me driving down the street to look for him, and he said, yeah, but he's not back that way because i just come from that way. So I said, okay, I had not known that my brother had made a 911 call in between the time he was calling me on my way there. It makes no sense to me why he would call 911 saying he needed the cops, and then right after he tells me, to run from the police. Okay, so that was Kyle Lawson. Again, check that out on Crawl Space. And here is our full interview with Ledessa. Please subscribe to all shows on Crawl Space Media. There are plenty of links in the show notes for you to click on. Thank you very much. How are you, Ledessa? I'm good. Thank you. Just wanted to thank you for taking the time out of your day to speak with us. And uh, we know that you have a busy life there. Uh, so we really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing with you some uh, some of the background of Brandon and, and your history with him. And then maybe go over a little bit of um, his disappearance. How did you meet Brandon? In high school, we were like 15. 
and Sidstein and I was with my friends and he came up to me and was like trying to talk to me and I was like I was like, Why are you trying to talk to me? And he's like, You don't know who I am? I was like, No, am I supposed to? You know, just trying to flirt with me. And then later on he saw me again and he asked me for my phone number and I was like, I don't know if I want to give you my phone number. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you probably asked all the girls and, you know, it was just a funny thing, but I finally gave him my number. Well, that's and cute. Then, yeah. Did you, did you know about him uh, in school before he had asked you for the, uh, for not really. Okay. I kind of like, like I had friends, but I had like my circle of friends. So I kind of like, I talked to everybody, but I kind of like set to myself. No, not really. I kind of knew about him, but not really. Like I just, I was, uh, I didn't go to Joshua my whole life. I, I didn't start going to Joshua until I was a freshman. So it was, I was still, this was my sophomore year. So I didn't really know everybody. And this was a small town? Yeah, it's very small. Okay. <laughs> very small. It's like, a, I don't know. I always meet, we say you got like, I don't know, maybe 10 stoplights. Right, right. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's mostly country out there. So it's like country yeah so you you eventually gave him your number yes i did he was yes, charming and then he was charming enough to uh to, to coerce to, that yeah 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 i was like okay i guess <laughs> and he um he called me and talked to me and then i think we talked like for a month and he was like will you be my girlfriend and i was like yeah i guess you know i <laughs> I was the type that I was just like, didn't really want a boyfriend because I was so young. And I was, you know, I didn't want to be one of those girls tied up and stuff. But Brandon was really, Brandon, he's he a smooth talker. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, you know, went all, and <laughs> we fell in love and then had kids and were together for a long time. So started from that. So uh, this was, this started when you were, you said you were 15 or 16? I was 15. He was 16. We're like, his birthday is November 18th and mine's January 6th. So we're like, not that far apart. Like, yeah. it, you know, we're like a year and what, a year and a couple months apart. So. And this uh, relationship went all through high school and then continued past high school and, and you ended up uh, raising a family together. Yeah. We were on and off sometimes. Like we were just like grown up together. We were, yeah. we were young kids. And so like, you know, just immature, like, break up here and there. And then it wasn't, like, very long ever. It was just, you know, we were getting to know the world and each other at the same time. So we were just young and, you know, we were just, you know, all those hormones and yeah. <laughs> learning how to deal with the world and all that. Yeah, learning how to grow up and uh, yeah, you know, probably a lot of stress I, with the family, too. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd pass from my like parents and stuff like that. And so like I had a hard time with that. So he just, he just always supported me. Him and his family always supported me. So it was really good. Well, that's great. Yeah. His uh, parents are still mine. They're in my in-laws. <laughs> they, they like my mom and dad. So his whole family, they're just very supportive. So it's, it's good. And it takes a village to raise kids and they're very, all of them are very, you know, good about being here for all the kids because there's four of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's why.
Well, that's great to hear that uh, you know they're they're still in in your lives. And so you you've had uh, you've had four ch- children with with Brandon. That's correct. Well, I have okay. So I have three physical oh. that I had, and then I have a stepdaughter that was with him and his um, with Mackenzie's mom, and they live in Joshua still. So they they still live in Joshua, but she's a really good mom. She's really good too. Mackenzie, I can I can ask for a better mom to my stepdaughter. So, but I I call her mine because you know I've, I've been there since she was like I don't know like I think eight nine months old. So mm. wow, okay. And she's about to be sixteen in July. So it's like you know I consider her one of my kids. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And it's good to hear that you still uh, communicate and you still consider. Uh, Brandon's parents to be, you know, part of your family. And I'm sure that having their support during Brandon's disappearance is super important to you and helps you, you know, get by in a, in a, in a day-to-day basis. Is that a, is that a pretty accurate uh, assessment? Oh yeah, definitely. They're at every birthday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, everything. So no, it's really, really good. Do you see Kyle a lot? Uh yeah, I see my brother law. Yeah, so on Sunday we no Saturday we had a birthday party. Oh cool. Yeah, I love Kyle. Me and Kyle, I mean Kyle's like my, we're like brother and sister. Like we fight. Like he'll tell me how it is. I'll tell him how it is. That's just who we are, you know. But I love my brother in law. He would do, he would do anything for anybody that needed help. That's just who he is. Yeah, when we spoke to him a couple of months ago on the show. We all ended that conversation, and when we hung up, we we just kind of looked at each other, and he we it wasn't so much the things he said; it was just how he said them, and he just feels like a guy where if 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 he's if he thinks that you're a good person, I, I feel like he's someone who will go to no ends to uh, help you do something or just have you back on anything. Yeah, Kyle is very loyal. Yeah, he's very loyal to his brother. He just that's who Kyle is. Like. Brandon would rat, rat Kyle out before Kyle would ever rat Brandon out. Like Kyle is loyal, you know. <laughs> he he ain't gonna. He, he's very loyal for his brother, but also he just. I mean, Kyle. He just. I, I love Kyle. He just, you know. <laughs> yeah. We fight sometimes, my brother and sister, and it's funny, but we always, <laughs> you know, there for each other. So that's all that matters in the end. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, what did you think of uh, what what he was saying on uh, on our show when we talked to him? Uh, it was good. I just, um, I think, like, you know, like, when this happened, I was, like, 25, I was young, and there was so much things going on. I didn't really get to hear, like, you know, some of what Kyle said when we were, you know, when this first happened. Like, I did. I didn't. I was still kind of, like, you know, I was shocked. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you ever got in a car wreck and you don't feel no pain until later on, you know, I just didn't know what, you know, you just, in that moment, you don't know what to do really. And, um, no, it was good. I, uh, it was just good hair and stuff. And, you know, you know, for me, it's like, sometimes I feel like the world just sits still when Brandon went missing because I had the kids and I was just so, um, the first two years were certainly hard on me. A lot of people don't realize it's still hard on me, but you know, the first two years it was I was really depressed and it it 
and then I still worked and all that and took care of the kids. It was just, it was hard. I, I didn't know what to do. I was like 25, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, any 25 year old, you're like, okay. And, um, I wish, I wish I know what I know now back then because I didn't, the police, like they kind of helped, but they didn't really because they didn't really know what to do. I don't think they like, I honestly, this is me. I don't think police, like police stations and stuff like that. They know what to do with missing persons. I think we need to start doing more classes about that, but I, think, I don't right. think they know what to do. I think that's a great point. We we talk about that internally a lot, how yeah. there is uh, like no protocol for a car being found on the road with the driver not in it. There there should be some actual uh, protocol, and, and there's just not. Yeah, and the problem with that on top of it is, you know, on top of the fact that there's no driver there, I, I feel like typically, and this is just in our experience, typically the arriving officer will assume that the driver was in some sort of personal uh, turmoil, maybe drinking while driving or whatever, and just left the vehicle and was going to come back later, you know, in order to sober up or um, clear their head for whatever reason. Uh, they never go to... Um, they never go to that that point where they're thinking, okay, this person might be in serious physical trouble, yeah, and and this might turn into something bigger. And I think that the, you're right; there has to be a class there because there needs to be a balance between: am I going to be an alarmist as a police officer and call out call out all the stops for an abandoned vehicle, yeah. or do I kind of pragmatically approach this? But the problem with the pragmatic approach is that two days later, there's still no driver there's still no person and and you're you're basically uh approaching it as a cold case at that point yeah i mean they won't take cold case even though i i'm really upset about that because i thought after brandon went missing like three years that it would be a cold case like missing person yeah but basically it's up to law enforcement so they make all the calls so there's no rule about cold case missing persons and i thought you know, maybe it would like get new eyes if it was a cold case. Hmm. So, which there's not. It's frustrating, you know. Even though Brandon's been missing nine full be six years, so um, I don't understand that how it's not a cold case because it's been over three years. But I mean, I don't make the calls. Well, I think so. that uh, would kind of mean that there's still tips that are coming in. Um, I think that that's really why they classify it as a cold case if yeah. there's no tips whatsoever. And uh, Brandon's case seems to grab people's imaginations, unlike a lot of missing persons cases. So at least, you know, that's going for it. So you're saying that p perhaps they're treating it as an active case. Well, I, I, yeah. I'm not saying they're investigating. I have no yeah. idea. But I'm just saying if they haven't classified it as cold, it's probably because they're getting calls still. I don't really get, like, they'll contact me every once in a while if they, like, ask me about something but it's nothing i think it's mostly just tips from like people that are psychics yeah. i'm not saying that they're not incredible you know to know something but i mean me i'm the type of person i want facts like you know evidence right in front of there so i don't know what goes in and what goes out like when people say things to me i'm like just call the number and there's really nothing you know i can tell them but until somebody says it out of their mouth there's nothing i can do yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, and it, it just it, it's hard because you're like, you know, there's many times I wanted to do stuff, but I I can't because it's up to the law enforcement what they call and what they they believe is. So, I mean, 
I always let them know, like if somebody doesn't want to contact them, I always let them know what, you know, the tip was or something. But I think they're just, they just want like more physical, you know, fats in front of them. That's what I think they're waiting on. Have they ever communicated to you whether or not they even consider this to be a crime to investigate? Or do they think that he left on his own accord and he's still alive living somewhere else? I really, the sheriff, Wayne, he just, um, Wayne McCutcheon, he just says that, you know, something's not right and something doesn't lead up. That's all he says. And then the ranger thinks he is like somewhere out there on a property, on a ranch, and we just can't find them. And, you know, basically that, I don't think they think it was a crime. I, I can't speak for them. I can yeah. only speak for myself. But that's what I, I get out of it. I mean, I really don't know, like, you know, I just, the words that are told to me, so I can't say that they think this and that. So it's it's up to them. I just, when this first happened, I was just really upset because everybody kept on saying he ran off with another woman, like law enforcement. It was just like making me really upset. It wasn't even, it wasn't even that. Like, I wish Brandon did at this time, yeah. you know, because we would have found him. My kids would have had a father. But I'm like, something's not right. He didn't go back to his truck. You know, he had the keys and all that. And he had his phone. And so it just didn't lead up to that. I don't know. I just felt like something was wrong that night because Brandon, he would have contacted somebody. And uh, even the next day, and I was just basically me. I didn't really know about the 911 call till that Tuesday until we did the missing persons report. They went like, I couldn't do the missing persons report. It took them forever to even let me. And like, they were like battling what county it should have been because we lived in St. Angel and that's the last place I saw him, you know? Mm-hmm. So we didn't know if we got to do it Tom Green County or if we got to do it Coke County. And, you know, Tom Green County, they told me how to do it in Coke County. That's where the last place his truck was. So. I ended up finally doing that, and then we went over his phone records that they pulled, and we saw that he called 911, and I, I didn't even know he called 911 until that Tuesday. All I, all I really knew was, like, he was so Kyle stuff, and he just said he was bleeding, and that's what scared me because I really didn't know, the, like, you know, about 911 until um, later on, but I was, just scared. I was just thinking about rattlesnakes out there. That's what... You know, my mind, because, you know, land like that, and Brennan, he worked in the oil field, they would find, like, rattlesnakes and, like, copperheads and all kinds of snakes. And I would just scared maybe he got bit by a snake. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. You know, if he was bleeding. I, I really didn't know what to what to think until, like, I saw more of the, like, calls and stuff. Can you take us through uh, what you remember from that night? Yeah, or or even... um. Not to interrupt, but can you take us to maybe uh, a couple of days before that, leading leading up to it? Because he had just gotten a new job. and Let's see. I, I worked at a daycare for a little bit, and um, our son, like, he started daycare, and he was really sick. And so uh, he, like, got, like, an upper respiratory infection, an air infection, and he just was sick. So we were, like, mostly taking care of him. And uh, he, uh, Brandon, you know, had an interview I think it was on that Wednesday he had an interview and um, he got the job because he wanted a job that, you know, he made more money, but not worked as much hours. Sometimes he could spend with the family. He just, he got the job and he went and took a P test and, you know, 
got all his stuff. And so he quit his other job and, uh, we were just waiting for Monday for him to start it. But it was just being a other family. Nothing really happened until that Wednesday. Yeah, we got in an argument and he left. And then I'm pretty sure he went to college for a little bit. And then he came back on, let's see, it was that Thursday. And, um, we were just fighting because I guess, you know, I haven't slept. He, <laughs> which is a kid, you know, my son, no one being not feeling good and stuff like that. And we're just fighting. And I don't know, after that night, I told him to leave. I mean, everybody knows there's a possibility that he was on something. I, I, I don't know if he was or not. Like, I have no proof, but I think, I mean, that was mostly what our fight was about. Oh, really? Whether or not yeah. he was, whether or not he was on some some drug. Yeah, that he was high off drugs. Yeah, that I, I mean, I suspected it. Yeah. And um, I'm really, I don't believe in stuff like I, I don't believe in doing drugs with kids. I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I just I'm really strict about that. Yeah. I grew up, you know, a drug life situation. And I'm just, that's one thing that just like sets me off. And uh, I was just upset and I told him to leave. And, you know, I regret telling him to leave, but I didn't want the kids to see him like that because he, he hasn't done anything in a very long time. Like, Brandon wasn't like your usual, you know, like person that did drugs all the time. He just would do it like maybe once a year or sometimes more, like, you know, a couple months at a time. But it wasn't like, he like stole from his family or anything like that. It yeah, was, you know. So he wasn't just, like an addict. He just like uh, got carried away was, once in a he while. He was an addict. He was an addict. It just he um he didn't like do it all the time like most addicts do. He like he fought it a lot. He fought his addiction a lot. It was um I don't know. It's just hard to explain. Like you know when the wrong people get around you, you just use you know. And he uh. Brandon was really trying to get his life straight, so I didn't understand it. I was just upset. And I wish I wouldn't have been, like, so hard. It'd be like, you know, you need to leave and stuff like that. Did he deny that he was uh, using drugs at that time? Uh, yes, he did. But I just, I'm so, like, one way when it comes to that stuff. That's, like, anything else is pretty fine. But when it comes to drugs, I just, like, I get one way and I'm like, uh-uh. You know, that's who I am. It's because I, I get I get fear of like living through my parents' footsteps. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, well, my mom's not my dad's, but no, I mean I expected it, and that's what we were mostly fighting about. Was there in public till now? I, you know, my biggest thing was uh, my daughters, and you know my my boys are still young, but I I wanted to talk to them. And tell them stuff before, like, everybody else, you know, sits here and says this and that. Like, I didn't have that conversation with them because everything that's on the Internet, they read. People don't think that. When you say hateful stuff about their dad, they read it. Yeah. And that's my main that's my main concern. And then them being okay, like, their dad wasn't a bad person at all. Like, he just, he made some bad choices sometimes. I don't mean it should have cost them, like, the rest of his life, you know, and people want to say this and that, but you know, everybody makes mistakes in life. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And that doesn't mean that you should be condemning them 
privately or publicly, especially publicly, yeah. especially when they know that you have young children, but not, but old enough to read these things online. It's a, it's a really irresponsible thing to, to do. And, um, yeah, I feel really bad that you're uh, put through that. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully some just, of this can be put to rest. I was just worried about them. Yeah. I was just worried about them at first because I don't want them thinking that, you know, they're, they're so young. I don't want them thinking that their dad didn't love them. It was nothing like that. It was just that Brandon was an addict and he had a slip up and, you know, and I'm, you know, I can't prove that he was on it, but I'm pretty sure he was, you know. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Sometime in the early 80s, REO Speedwagon's airplane made an unannounced middle-of-the-night landing. This is my friend Kyle McLaughlin, the star of Twin Peaks. And he's telling me about how he discovered a real-life Twin Peaks in rural North Carolina, not far from where he filmed Blue Velvet. What was on the plane was copious amounts of drugs coming in from South America. Supposedly, Pablo Escobar went looking for other spots, quiet, out-of-the-way places to bring in his cocaine. My name is Joshua Davis, and I'm an investigative reporter. Kyle and I talk all the time about the strange things we come across, but nothing was quite as strange as what we found in Varnumtown, North Carolina. There's crooked cops, brother against brother. Everyone's got a story to tell, but does the truth even exist? Welcome to Varnumtown. Varnumtown is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Kickoff for Super Bowl 34. The Titans Rams 2000 Super Bowl, an instant classic. Hours after the game, two men were stabbed in the street, accused of being in the middle, the greatest linebacker in NFL history. Ray Lewis and two friends are charged with murder. The nation's eyes were glued to their televisions. The trial concluded, and the verdicts came back not guilty. What you can learn from all this is that big cases make for big mistakes. Look what happened to O.J. Simpson. And look what happened to Ray Lewis. Lewis went on to have a Hall of Fame career, but questions around that night in Atlanta still remain. So what do you think they're hiding? They know what happened. They know exactly what happened. After 20 years, it's time to get to the bottom line truth. From Tenderfoot TV, I'm Tim Livingston, and this is The Raven. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For ad-free listening and early access, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus on tenderfootplus.com. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. 
Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. Canada, a vast idyllic land filled with beavers, loons, lumberjacks, and polite, friendly folks. We have those things for sure, but there's a darker side to the Great White North, full of mystery, crime, the paranormal, and dark history. Join me, Mike Brown, and co-host Matthew Stockton every Monday for the Dark Poutine Podcast as we tell dark stories from north of the 49th parallel with the Ottawa game covering more international cases. You can listen to Dark Poutine for free wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. Did he um, make any calls to you after he left that night? He did. He did. I, I regret that to this day. Um, you know, people, I've seen people, like, insult me on Facebook and all that on online about this, but I really don't. Until you live in the moment, you don't know. I did not know none of this was going to happen. Um my son, he broke my charger because my, my little daredevil was just that, you know, like that when he was a two, like, you know, 18 months sure. years old. And um, so all we had was a um, a car charger that would charge him, you know, our vehicle at the time. Mm-hmm. And mine was the type that you didn't have to turn on the keys to charge the phone. So I went outside and I charged my phone. And I'm like, well, um, I already talked to my um, well, Kyle will call me, tell me that, well, no, I did talk to him and he just said, you know, ran out of gas, Cal, and I talked to him about it and I just said, Cal, I'm going to put the gas tank, you know, because we have one of those, he didn't have one on the porch and you just take care of it. At the time we were fighting and I was like, I'll just let, you know, Kyle can deal with him better than I can sometimes when he's like that. And, um. It's just me. I just was so focused on the kids, you know, my sick kid at the time. Because I didn't go to the ER actually that night. I remember going to the ER, getting him checked out because he had, um, he also had a virus, ear infection, and then he had, he he couldn't stop throwing up because he had all that drainage and stuff. And um, so I just didn't sleep and I was trying to get him and he finally fell asleep. And so I just put it in to Kyle to take care of it. I did talk to Brandon, I think, one time that night. Well, after he left, I did talk to him, and he was just kind of yelling still. And I was like, you know, like, how I'll deal with it. Well, I told him I was leaving it out there, and then I just put my phone in the van, and then I went inside, and I fell asleep for a little bit. And then I woke up. I just had this, like, anxiety feeling, and I woke up. Because Brandon, you know, I was used to sleeping by Brandon. And... um and him always being there. So, like, I went to the van and got my phone, and I had, like, so many missed calls. Like, I had three missed calls from Brandon. I had, like, so many from Kyle and so many from my mother-in-law. And um, I didn't know what was going on. I tried calling Brandon a few times, and, like, his phone was just ringing. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm used to Brandon being off location, on location, like when he was in the oil field. So when it rains like that, it means like he has no service, basically. You know, when it takes forever to get to the answering machine. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and because I was just used to him, like, you know, sometimes his phone would just ring, 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 and then it would go that, and that's what it was doing. So I was like, that's weird. So that, that means like, that's not being off, that's not turned off. Just that's, means uh, no one's picked up. Yeah, yeah, it service. was not dead okay. at all. Because if it was dead, it would go straight to the voicemail. Right, right, like, okay. that's what it does. It, like, rings, and then it goes to the voicemail. And I was like, okay. So then I called my mother-in-law, and, like, she's calling me in the middle of the night. I was like, what's going on? So I call her. She's like, tell me that... Kyle couldn't find Brandon, and Brandon was talking to him, and there was a cop and by his truck, and uh, they could not find Brandon. Nobody, nowhere, and Kyle was looking for him. Well, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to call Kyle. And I called Kyle, and Kyle was telling me the same thing, that he didn't know what to do. You know, he's over there trying to find him and all this. And um, I was like, well... You know, most people want to know, like, Kyle's part. Kyle knows Kyle's part. He explained that. Like, I don't know Kyle's part when he was out there. I just know my my part, you know. And um, I, uh, so I was like, I was having anxiety. And I was like, well, I guess I didn't even know where he was at. And they finally told me Bronx. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to look up the police station to see what's going on. I called up there. I didn't tell them who I was. I didn't identify myself. And I'm just like, you know, the truck, you know, ran out of gas. So there was a cop by there. Do you know what happened? And they're like, no, I think it's just, you know, it's just parked on the side of the road and it's over compliance. Like the way his truck was parked, you know, it wasn't straight. It was mm-hmm. like the front was there and then the back was like hanging out. And they're like, it's a houser. They're going to have to tow the truck. You know, me, I'm like, I don't have extra keys or, you know, I would have went there and um, just moved the truck so we didn't have to tow it. But I didn't know what was happening at first. But I didn't, I, Brandon had the only keys. And um, it was like a Ford 2001, no, 2000, I don't know, 2000, no, it was like 19, something like 19, before 2000. And those type of trucks, you have to afford, you know, they don't make it over that. You have to, like, get a lot, Smith, to make a key. And um, I was just going to let him tell her because I didn't know and seriously of Brandon at the time of what was happening. So I was like, he has the key, so I didn't know what to do. So they didn't tow the truck till I think, like, 8 or 9 in the morning when it happened that night. But um, I went out there that morning, and I just, I was like, maybe Brandon, like, got hurt out there or, you know, bit by something. So I just called his name out, and we went all up and down that highway. I had the kids, and I was just calling his name, and nothing was happening. And then I called some of his buddies from work, and we went out there, and they helped me. And, like, we were trying to call Brandon's name. We didn't know, like, if he was hurt or why, because he had not contacted anybody. Well, I went home. And then I like knocked on my neighbor's houses to see if they seen Brennan or anything, you know, in case he came home. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. well, he knows where home is, you know. And um, we, uh, I knocked on people's doors and all that, and nobody saw him. And I was like, I, I don't know what to do. And then driving back and forth is like 30 minutes there, 30 minutes that I had. You know, my my baby was like eight months and then 18 months and then I had Desi and I was like, well, I don't know what to do. So I was like, well, we're just going to stay in a hotel down there. I'm just going to, you know, look for him because I didn't know. I was thinking that maybe he was hurt out there. That's why he hasn't contacted none of us. 
Do you remember what time it was when you went out to the van and and got your phone and saw all the messages? And I think that was four or five in the morning. It was really early. Okay, and and that's the first call you made was to Brandon, where it just rang. Uh, yeah. I, I the first. Well, I called him like three times. Yeah. So and then after that, you know, I told my mother-in-law and Kyle. I called before I called the police station, like see what was going on so i called and like it just kept ringing and ringing about i think his phone went dead around like eight or nine in the morning but i mean i, th- I think it was that time i i could be off but i remember his phone finally did go dead mm-hmm. i just want to add i think uh what what you did in in putting the gas can out and talking to kyle like uh you you did you did the most responsible thing you could do in that situation i i just hope you know that and yeah but you know now that you know what it led up to you just always think you can do more yeah. you know just i don't think i could have done more and you know maybe you know i feel like it's my responsibility of fine brandon for my children and my, you know myself too but both he's like grandparents and his parents you know mm-hmm. so um you know, I feel like it's my responsibility. So I made an oath to my kids that I would never stop looking. So, yeah, you know, it's it's hard. <laughs> uh, that night when he left, did he tell you anywhere specific that he was going to go? No, he was mad at me because I just like it was like one way, and he was just mad at me. So I just don't like kids being around stuff like that, and just like really, and it's not that it's just who I am as a person, you know. I'm still like that today. Like, I don't, I just, that's just who I am. I, I, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I did, I did drugs when I was, um, me and Brandon did drugs when I was younger. I was like 16 and I stopped like three months before I got pregnant with my daughter. So I did them for a year and like a few months, but like, yeah, I did drugs. Like, <laughs> you know, but I got clean and. It, it wasn't even like, I'm a tough person. I don't have a ditching personality. So, like, I could smoke a whole pack of cigarettes and not pick it up. That's just who I am. Yeah. And, um, which I'm lucky because, you know, my mom, she, uh, isn't at it. But, um, you know, I'm lucky for that. So, uh, this is who it was. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not past. Like, it was, you know, not perfect mom and stuff like that all the time. But when I was younger, but I just, I'm just one way. That's just who I am. <laughs> Do you have an opinion as to where he was going when he left? Uh, I think he was going to my father-in-law's. Mm. Always see his daughter. That's where I think he was going. I could be wrong, but that's, I mean, that's where Brandon would go to his parents. Yeah. And um, what what about Walmart? Did, did uh, Brandon stop at Walmart that night? Well, it's like he said, she said type of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like um, my neighbor across the street talked to Brayden a few times that night. Oh. After he left and texts and stuff like that. And um, they said that, you know, I think they saw his truck, but, you know, they didn't see nothing. I mean, it's just kind of like he said, she said stuff. So I really don't know. I'm not going to sit there and say, I, I'm the type of person that I have to have facts in front of me. So I really don't know. I mean, yeah. but... There's no receipt or anything that you know of. Yeah, yeah, nothing like that. So, which, I don't understand if he was at Walmart why he went and got gas, because 
you know, like as soon as you leave St. Angelo and you go to Bront, there's like no gas station until you go to that stripe. So I really don't know. Maybe Brandon was just upset. So I, I really don't know because he had the money. He had money in his banking account. So I don't understand why he didn't. But I mean, I I don't know why. You you just said that he spoke to your neighbor across the street that night. Did he speak to your neighbor after he left uh, yeah, his home? Yeah, there was like, well, so there's numbers on like the color, the like car lot. Yep. And I can't know like if somebody received them or it was, you know, that like you can't know that. You can't know, you can't know certain things on there, but. I do know that he did, and I had a we had a my family had to look up this. Mostly my cousin Kara had to look up these phone numbers to see who the people were. And uh, one was Matthew, and he lives across the street from us. And I didn't really know Matthew that good. It's kind of like you know, like high neighbor type of deal. And um, Brandon and him were like with heads and talk every once in a while, but uh, I think he's in the oil field too. And so. I went to, you know, after all this was said and done, I said, Matthew, you're like the last one to talk to Brandon and stuff like that. I said, will you go to the police station with me? He said, yeah. And he went to the police station with me the next morning. And we went in there. I was like, this is the number you're looking for to Coke County. And Wayne McCutcheon said, we don't need to talk to him. We don't need to talk to him. We, we don't need that. And I'm like, well, this is the number, you know, I just feel like it just wasn't like investigated. Like, every number in that car because it's important every single number in that was important to like talk to sure and and um i was like okay but he he went to the police station with me and stuff but i feel like they just didn't like really i mean it's important his last words to people yeah and, you know talking to people i just want to like i was kind of upset because i was like what is going on i just want to be clear that i heard that correctly he spoke to this neighbor on the phone after he left your place before he went missing and you yeah. and that neighbor went to the police and the police said, we don't need to talk to him. Yep. That's exactly what happened. Wow. That, yeah, that's not, that's uh, uh, that's some bad that's, policing right there. That is, that, that is bad investigative. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm just well, a humble podcaster, but that doesn't sound like uh, the yeah, right way to go well, about it. Just, that's bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, I just, because um, I was like, those words, and like, there was some text, I forgot what it was, it was like, all I have is so much money, you know, if you need to win, and what Matthew told me, this is like, what he told me was like, he thought me and Brandon were having problems over money, and I was like, no, Brandon was really good at like, saving money, and we were, we were good in that area, because he, you know, made pretty good, decent money in the oil field, it was booming right then and there, and I was like, and then they wanted to use it as like a drug dealer or something, <laughs> like saying that. And I'm like, I, I doubt that. You know, they, you know, they just like come up with these stories. And I'm like, he didn't even, he worked like so many hours a week. He didn't have time to do none of that stuff. You know, he was making this much money. Why would he need to, you know, do that? Usually people that sell drugs is because they need to make money, you know? Yeah. I just, I was just like, I was so like unbelievable how much they just, put out there that you know like basically brandon was like this drug dealer that had this oh yeah and he had a warrant we did not know he had a warrant Brandon went to prison uh to finish out his probation when this warrant was already released 
I did not know why they didn't like arraign him about the warrant. We did not know nothing about it until later on when he tried to enroll, you know, get the tads and all that stuff done on the truck. And they told him about the warrant. Also, he paid child support, like, you know, not all the time, you know, the time he was in jail and stuff, but when he was in the oil field, he did pay child support faithfully. They knew his address, his social security, one stuff. So, like, it wasn't like Brandon was hiding for them, please. Like, we were prepared if they came and picked them up. He did not, we didn't really even know, like, basically, you can't even know what, like, really a warrant's after, like, his charge until we got a lawyer and do, like, discover of evidence of what the warrant was about. I still don't know what this warrant's about to this day. So, I have no idea. It just... I, I don't even know what it is. I have no idea. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't have been anything too serious because he wasn't arrested on the spot. Yeah, and I mean, he got stopped by a cop a few times for, like, you know, speeding, and nothing happened. So I don't know why so many people think he was, like, hiding from this warrant. We did not really know about it. We just knew about it, like, a few months before, and we were just saving money for a lawyer to figure out what we needed to do. But... I was really upset because Brandon finally got his life clean, you know, was doing good and stuff like that. And um, then he had this warrant and I'm like, you know, it's Johnson County. That's where we're from. Joshua's in Johnson County. So it's that type of deal. What about um, uh, what Kyle said about um, Mexicans? I believe it was from Brandon to Kyle. Um, He he said that Mexicans were chasing him. Was that, uh, what does that mean to you? Uh, I really don't. I don't know. Brandon, Brandon, when he was under the influence, he would say things. And I would just, like, kind of ignore it sometimes. I'm like, I'm not dealing with this, you know. And um, he just would say things like that. Like, I like I had Mexicans after him. I'm like, I don't even know anybody out here, you know. So I really did not know what he was talking about. But I, I knew Brandon. That's how I thought Brandon used because he was accusing me of things. And that's usually, Brandon doesn't ever accuse me of anything like that. When I, you know, he's clean, sober, nothing like that. Like, he's lovable and stuff like that. He knows I'm loyal. But when he was under the influence, he would act different. And I was like, I was like trying to get somebody after him. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand why he would think that. Was there a big uh, drug, like, issue? Was there a big drug problem in the town? And was it, was there any, like, ah, God, I feel idiotic saying it was there any like drug cartel that operated around that town around that area i didn't know anything out there because i don't do drugs but like you know he said she said after brandon went messy was like you know there was people like getting busted but i think they had some white Mexican cartel but something different i really don't know i don't really i don't associate with stuff like that so i really i have no idea you know but I know people got busted, and there was a few killings after Brandon went missing. It was like almost the same week. It was it was crazy. Oh, that's interesting. In that area? Yeah, yeah, yeah in San Angelo, not in Bron. Okay. In San Angelo, and I was like, what is going on? But, you know, when the oil field moves more that way, more stuff comes that way. Like, you know, like, you know, prostitutes, dreads, yeah. slowly stuff like that, because, you know, they, they notice the money's there. Just like, that's just how it is. And yeah. When the oil field starts booming, I don't know why, but that's just how they work. So I think people think they can make money off of it. Right. Um, now, uh, what about searches? Was uh, wh- What kind of um, organized searches were done in the immediate aftermath? Uh, I did a lot. I, I searched for Brandon, like, 
you know, basically, I just always call it Friday morning, even though it was like, you know, Brandon went missing like Thursday night, but it was more Friday morning, I think. I I searched for, I knocked on people, all these neighbors, yard, I mean, no, doors, front, all kinds of stuff. There was a man, he was really nice, he talked to me and stuff like that, but like, I did all kinds of stuff, but finally, I'm like, like, we're not, I talked to my family, um, Brandon's family, and he was my father-in-law had a word, like it was mandatory on that Saturday. And finally, everybody came to day Saturday night and they were going to do a search. And finally that night, I put it on Facebook because I was like, I really don't know what to do. I was like, maybe somebody saw him. And I did not know it was going to blow up so much and people were just going to be like so hateful. And some people wasn't. Some people wanted help and some people were hateful. And, um, you know, his renegade came out was, so that was a company that he did work for and had ATVs and stuff like that. And we, and the property owners were being really nice, like went in a search and we asked, you know, some of them, but I really didn't know, like, I know about private property, but not as much, but they were all being like real friendly and stuff. And then we searched that day and we found some, um, like, uh, falcons, which is like bird of prey, you know, like the, the birds, you know, that go, you know, when they see, uh, beans are not alive, they circle around it. Sure. Yeah. Like a, a vulture. It, yeah. Yeah. And I was like worried about those. And I, um, we saw some, so we like went all the way down there. And I mean, it is so hard out there to jump those fences, barbed wire, all kinds of stuff. And, um, it was like a dead, I think it was like a dead uh, skunk, or no, a dead raccoon. That's what it was, a dead raccoon. Okay. And there was no brain, but I mean, even though you could see it from the thing, it was like a mile and a half. Ugh. And I ended up getting staffed that day, too. <laughs> getting <laughs> like a, a staff infection? Yeah, I had a staff infection. Oh, wow. And, um, well, like, I didn't know until later on, but... Um, Finally, his family, I just, they left that Sunday and I was like, this is just, too, I, I did not know what land I was dealing with. So I'm like, I'm just going to see if I can pay for a helicopter search. I mean, a crop duster, a plane search. And um, luckily, you know, I had some money left over from my income tabs and then I flew and uh, there was so much land. You couldn't really see that much and it was really hot. It was like pictures seven o'clock and it was like so hot and it was like this little bitty plane and it was like going back and forth you know and we went and um i didn't really see anything i was i was really looking for like you know falcons mostly looking for the birds and stuff and that's what people kept on telling me that there would be like hundreds if he was out there something was wrong you know yeah that makes sense yeah and that's what I was in the state of Texas. It was like August and it's like hot. So that's what I was mostly worried about was that. And, um, seeing if Brandon was hurt out there or something. You know, because if you were like, you go missing and no water and you have like 48 hours when it's really, really hot, you know, probably longer, but I was just worried. And, um, it was so much land. I was just so, <laughs> after I saw all the land, I was like, I, I have no idea where we even start. To look, it, it just—it's it, really hard out there to look for anything. It's like a needle in a haystack. You said that when you were out there, you saw the birds circling, and and from where you were standing, uh, it was about a mile away. So you went out there on ATVs, and then, then no, you... no, we we did this foot. We can't do the ATVs because of fences. Okay, so we did this foot because, like, I mean, you can 
my brother, my father-in-law, like he was an ATV mostly sometimes, but no, it's just, we did foot and, um, it was, and we had our cousins come down there. Like we had a good, probably 20 people. And, um, like it was just so much, like, I mean, it was like a mile and a half probably, I want to say, because we thought it was not that far and it was like, it's exhausting, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because you got to jump the fences. There's cactuses everywhere. There's brush, everything. Yeah. So how how long um, before you encountered these fences and were they barbed wire? I, I guess what I'm getting at is if Brandon ran into the woods, how long would it? How far would it have been for him to encounter one of those fences at night? Uh, it's just like right there, and it just I, I mean. Where Brand's truck went missing, it's not even like three yards, not two and a half yards to the fence. Oh, like it just fenced up everywhere there. So basically, you have to like jump to get places mostly, unless they open the gate. Well, some of them, but you know, this land is mostly like, um, like 85 percent of these people are mostly retired. So, like, the other 15 percent they make money off like deer leases because they're known for like their deer season and stuff and um like they don't have a lot of jobs out there like you have to drive like 30 minutes probably like 30 35 minutes to san angelo to have a job out there yeah so a lot of these are like you know older community that um you know that basically like ranchers now you also said that you encountered a lot of good people out there when you were um taking part yeah, in these first, searches everybody was like really nice and everything was everybody was really nice and then the sheriff the only brandon mill was the sheriff deputy he was there that night he was the one that was mostly encounter all that the sheriff was out of town till that tuesday and the ranger i guess was out of town too which they said usually they call on the ranger you know because he has more he can provide more help because they don't really have like a lot of funds out there, you know, and they only had at the time, like five cops. So you got a sheriff, dep- you got sheriff, sheriff deputy, and you got three other deputies. And that's basically what they have. And then they also have, you know, at night, Brandon's on one call, which people have listened to it is I'm, I'm still upset about that. nine one call so much because I feel like, the operator she didn't say what's your name your location and if we would have known like some kind of location i believe we could have started there to look for brandon and she didn't say none of that and basically it went out of a nursing home and so like i think it was just a cna i don't know who who answered who was on there on that part i have no idea but i think it was like just a cna that they wasn't even trained to do 911 calls i really don't know but um I know that they were out of compliance. That's why all the 911 calls now go to San Angelo from Bront. So Bront can't answer 911 calls. I, I mean, they can do like the Coke County Sheriff's Office, but not 911 calls. Yeah, so they're not properly trained is what you're saying. No, not at all. They, they didn't even ask his name and location. That's the first thing they ask you. What's your emergency? Yeah. Right. That's what that that was really frustrating when we listened to it and when we were talking to um to Jason Watts and to uh to Kyle that there's never anything specifically saying this is what's wrong. 
It's all yeah. It's all very uh, abstract and left to interpretation. Very quick too. Yeah. Yeah, and I was I was upset because um you know like I didn't even know he called nine one four days later would have been different and then some were like oh he just mumbled stuff I'm like law enforcement said that he just mumbled stuff and I'm like oh I don't think it was mumbling on there. <laughs> well, that's but frustrating more, because he called nine one one for a reason. Yeah, I wouldn't call that mumbling. Yeah, you don't... <laughs> no, I, I think they just didn't... I really don't... I just don't think they have the resources that most people do. I don't want to, like, talk bad about law enforcement because I feel like I feel like they dropped the ball. I feel like there's some things that I could have done. And I don't want to, like, go against law enforcement. But so many who are like, they did this and that. Like, me going out to them or, like, being mad at them is not going to help find Brandon right now. Like, all I want is help from them. Yeah, you it, know? that's and a good point. Yeah, and all I want is like them now to be like, okay, well, this happened. Let's do it better and let's work together. That's all I ask, like for them to like get more searches in, and because you know they they're the ones at the end of the day that have to approve everything for you know um, for Brandon to be found. You know, so I don't want to sit there and say that they were like terrible. I just don't think they have the resources. That's what I really believe. They do not have the resources. Um, Mr. Hannah, the the Texas stranger, he's really smart. He knows he he's been doing this a long time and he knows what's out there. I just want them to just like work with me more, you know? Well, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. And I think they were probably just in over their heads yeah. as you're saying uh, early on. Yeah. So, and that's yeah. a great point. Like no reason to throw stones at them now. You have to work together. Yeah. And I just want like the, the sheriff wasn't even there until four days later. Like he has nothing to do with it. I see people saying that like Brandon Nill was the sheriff deputy. He was there that night. Wayne McCutcheon, he has nothing to do with it. Like, he was out of town. Right. So, I mean, I see people put that, and I think they get confused who is who. Like, Wayne Wayne McCutcheon is the sheriff of Coke County, and then Brandon Nill is the sheriff deputy mm-hmm. that night. Yeah. And I know Brandon Nill does not like me. <laughs> I know he doesn't. I, don't, I know he doesn't like my family. I mean, I just, I've never seen, what upsets me the most is, like, how you cannot help a family that's just missing their loved ones. Like, I just don't understand it till this day, but, you know, that's for another point in time to deal with after we found Brandon because, you know, I I also believe that it's police officers, they need training and sheriff's departments need training on how they talk to families that haven't missed in person. Yeah, without a doubt. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, I've, I'm not the only person that's had trouble like this, but it's ridiculous. Like, you do not say certain things to people. And, like, even just being a human being, you don't say hateful things like that when somebody needs help. You know, me, I, I believe you make a pledge, like, to serve people and to protect people and stuff like that. And, like, when you talk to people like that, you're not doing your job, you know. But that's that's another point in time. Like, they just need better training. Like, you know, wh- what I got so upset is the DPS, when we finally did the medical report, they said that Brandon was involuntary. It means he did not go missing on his own. Mm-hmm. You know, that's exactly what it says. That he was involuntary. And then they want to say that he just ran off with another woman. He did not say that to somebody. Was there any indication that he was even seeing another woman? No. And, I mean, even if he was by now, I wish he did. So he would be like, we would find him. <laughs> that's just my personality. Yeah. And but, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that this other woman at some point would have... Yeah. Wouldn't you think that they would have had a conversation about it? Like maybe you should uh, talk to your kids. Yeah, and I I would like I would accept all this. Like it does not make me feel different all the way I feel about Brandon, but 
I was just so upset because they keep kept saying that to me over and over again. I'm like, show me your proof, you know? Yeah, it's frustrating. And I would tell them, I was like, something's really, really wrong. This is not like Brandon. Like, I was trying, I was like, something is wrong. And my gut feeling is something is wrong. And I don't know why. I've never, I've never had a gut feeling like that. Like, just because I've been with Brandon for so long. Yeah. Brandon was like, really, like me and Brandon, we fought here and there, but he really was my best friend. And like, I loved Brandon, like more than anything. Like, it was just, we are crazy when we were younger and then we grew up and like, you know, we just loved each other. And I mean, even everybody, like it's just me and Brandon for years. That's what everybody knew us as, you know? Did he ever have a, a second cell phone or anything? No. Okay. And has there been any, any other significant searches uh, in the past, you know, few months or years? Have, has there been any drones that yeah, maybe have gone so- over there? Let's see. So we did that search and then a week, you know, I did that search Sunday and then I did that airplane search. And then like a week later, this guy offered to take pictures and take somebody up there. So I got his best friend at the time was um, JR and he, you know, he was in the military. So I was like, well, just go with them. You know, I'm with the kids. So he went and he did that and they didn't see nothing. It was a bigger plane. And then I went the guy volunteers time again and then I went and um so that was like three you know aerial searches and then finally police department and stuff like that like nobody was being cool about me going on their land after they the went sheriffs came in I really don't know what it was I think because he was just really upset about um he doesn't want people getting hurt and people getting sued that's what he he's telling me even though I said I was sign a waiver that's what they keep telling me so that's what they tell me and then um uh they did one 21 days what no sorry they did one when they came back that tuesday on like you know heat element basically on somebody's body i mean if you wait from friday all the way to tuesday i'm like i don't think that made sense to me but they still went on a helicopter and did that search and um and then 21 days, they did a search. They did it one day with, like, you know, everybody, like, police department, I think uh, fire department, all kinds of stuff, tip strangers, and they were on horses. And they did that one 21 days because they were like, you know, something's not right. They did that. They didn't find nothing. And then later on, I did um, – we I hired Ted Star to come in and basically – they did a search and one day they said he wasn't out there. They said that they did a really good search and that they searched everything. And that's what they told me. But I think their demeanor was um, that they thought everybody kept thinking that Kyle gave Brandon a ride that night. Everybody in the police department. I don't understand why they thought that. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. And so they just kept on. So I think after they talked, you know, and stuff like that, they're just like, oh, he's totally not out here. So let's just. You know, but it is impossible to search that land in one day. It is impossible. Like, impossible. Like, yeah. there's no way. No way. Like, it would have to take, like, I can't even tell you how long that would take. Probably months. Because if you don't look underneath every rock out there, everything, there's so much brush, you don't know. You know, like, it, it would take months at a time to look for things. I, I want to go back real quick to, um, everyone said that uh, Kyle gave him a ride that night. So, 
their their uh their opinion is that Kyle and and Audrey gave him a ride. Was and now Audrey's involved in this? No, they kept thinking that, and I have no idea. And I guess his friend Chris was with them, and they thought something about Chris. I mean, we've all talked to Chris. Like Chris was just riding with Kyle to help. I really don't know when Chris was out there. I know he's out there, but I really don't know like time to time. You know what time and all that. Kyle would have to answer that more for Chris than I would. We don't want to take up too much more of your time. So is there anything uh, that you want to put out there? If anyone has any information on this, um, where, well, who should they contact? Is there a, like a public call to action that you'd like to put out there at this point? Well, they have the San Angelo Crime Stoppers and then Coke County, you're free to call them. And then the DPS, um, Texas Rangers, San Angelo and, I mean, you're welcome to call me <laughs> or even email me. You can email me if you know something. Just email me and you can be anonymous. Like you can make up a break. Think, you know, just email me. But it's a Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-A-N-D, Ladessa, L-A-D-E-S-S-A, 88 at com, And you're free to email me and you know, even though you don't want to talk to anybody, you can just email me a tip. I, I figured a lot of people don't like calling law enforcement stuff. So, I mean, that's the best way to do it. They can be anonymous. They don't have to, like, you know, you can just use anybody's basically their email address. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then, like you, you, you said, if they want to email you, you can sign up on a anonymous email account, email the, email the tip if you have it. And then, you know, delete that account, whatever. But as long as the information gets to you, that's the most important thing. You know, I, I don't want people thinking that we don't. We, we look for Brandon a lot. I still do things like on the daily that people don't think. And, you know, I wish the city of Bront, like, you know, town of Bront knows that, you know, we're just a family just trying to find our loved ones. Like, we're not like saying law enforcement and they're against us and all that. It's like we should all work together, you know, and. I don't understand why it's such a like big thing, like not to work together and just try to find Brandon. That's the only thing we want. We're not trying to like destroy your town or anything. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.